Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey everyone, Jay Kevin McHugh here with another episode of Sheer Clarity. So happy to have you with us today. Looking forward to today's episode. Last episode, we had a great time talking about positive feedback and how important it was. And because it's such an easy topic, I think we soared right through it. But today's going to be a topic that's not quite as easy. We'll call it negative feedback. Every handbook on feedback tells you you should never call it negative feedback. You should call it constructive feedback. So before I give you any more information about constructive feedback, negative feedback, I would like to introduce with all the positivity I have, my producer, Matthew Passe. Hello, Kevin. How are we today? What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm ready for constructive criticism. Yeah? Well, I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I am no longer ready for constructive criticism. Yeah. This is a tough one because we got to set this up because I'm talking to leaders. I'm talking to people anywhere from CEOs down to mid-level managers, everybody's got the same problem, which is, okay, I've got negative feedback. I have to provide it. We'll call it constructive. And here's what the problem is all about. Number one, no one knows how to give it well. Whether you call it constructive or negative, no one really knows how to do it well. And the second problem is very few people know how to receive it well. Other than that, it's a piece of cake. Oh, sure. <laughs> so I've been doing this for a long, long time. And this is in the category of two of the things on that sheer clarity model that we've talked about from the beginning. There were three legs of this stool, trust, honesty, and vulnerability, appropriate level of vulnerability. Every one of those is engaged, really engaged in a synergy here on this particular topic, giving someone feedback that is negative or constructive, because there has to be some basis upon which to give that feedback that is trusting so that the person who's actually on the receiving end has some relational capital with you and engagement with you where they trust you. Well, what do they trust you about? Well, they trust that you care. And so if I get feedback that's painful, difficult, challenging, if I assume and believe actually that they care, it's a little easier to do because you're going to hear it with that filter on. They're just caring. Certainly, honesty is engaged here because you're trying to give somebody feedback that would help them, and honesty is just intrinsically part of this exercise. Then the vulnerability piece happens both ways. I mean, it's a vulnerability exercise for me to give you feedback because I'm at risk. No matter how well I might do it, you still might not take it well. And then we got a ripple in our connection. The vulnerability on your side, obviously, is somebody's going to tell you something and it's negative, constructive. It's probably going to hurt. That, by the way, is how you know if you're getting negative feedback because it hurts. Now, I'll leave everybody with one 
fundamental reason why you should put up with all this stuff, the pain of it, the difficulty of it, the embarrassment of it, why you should absolutely, positively inquire, desire, want, and seek some kind of constructive criticism on a regular basis, because that's the only kind that's teaching you anything. Let me repeat it. When you hear something critical or negative about you, your behavior, your approach, you've let someone down, you've disappointed another person, who knows what it might be, that is the only time you are going to have a growth experience. You learn from your mistakes, you learn from the pain, and that old phrase, no pain, no gain, always rings true in this category. The positive feedback piece is excellent for affirming, excellent for making you feel good, excellent for reinforcing when people are doing things well, they're just kind of cementing it in and printing it in them. They're like, yeah, good job, and this was amazing, and you get kudos, and we clap hands, and it's awesome. But that isn't necessarily teaching you what you need to get better. So I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to ask you a personal question because I do this to you almost every episode. It's becoming a bad habit, yes. <laughs> I, I wish I could have video feed. You know, Matthew and I are looking at each other here, and I can see his face <laughs> when I begin this. And there's a smile that has a communication capability. It's a smile that both says, this should be interesting and fun. However, <laughs> it might get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Part of, I think, the success of our show is because we have this kind of fun. So let me do it to you this way. And I want to tell you, audience, before I go down this kind of personal intervention with you, I want to tell everybody why I want to do this, because I kind of want you to all relate. The question that I'm about to ask Matthew and to ask him to answer, I want you in the audience to answer the same question for yourself while you're listening to this episode. Okay, so you ready? When is the last time you received feedback from someone that satisfied these conditions? You respected them, you knew they cared, and it hurt just a little or maybe even more than that. When was the last time that happened? And then tell us a little bit about it and what it was. So at the time that people are hearing this, it'll probably be about three or four months ago. So maybe the pain will be gone by then? <laughs> so here was the situation. I had recently launched a new podcast on the podcasting space. Me and a buddy of mine put this out there and we were excited. You know, we were doing something new and fun and interesting. And I woke up one Sunday morning to an email, a long email. I literally, I, I opened my eyes, saw that I had a notification on my phone. And so I'm still a little sleepy and I'm reading this email and it's someone who I know who was telling me they listen to the show. Sounds like there's great content out there. But then he went into this very long diatribe about what we were doing wrong and fairly critical and also fairly opinionated. And my gut visceral reaction to seeing this email was, who the hell are you to send me this email? Amen. It was, again, early in the morning and I had just woken up. I almost hit reply and sent back a response 
it's similar to what I just said, but probably with more four-letter words in there. Yeah, there's some good emojis that could express that for you too, you know. <laughs> I was annoyed. I let it go. I was like, whatever, it's a Sunday morning. I don't have to reply to this email. I let it go. I sat on it for a little bit, let it stir. And then I showed it to my partner on the show and he read it and he was like, oh yeah, you know, that's a good point. And as soon as he said that, my thoughts on it twisted. And so I took another second, I reread the entire email and I wrote back and I said to the person, thank you. I respect you. This was honest. And I realized at the end, you were trying to help. You were not here to just get one over on me or something like that. It was refreshing to see it in that light. It took me a little bit of time to get there, but yeah. So as the audience is kind of processing their own version of the last time you got negative feedback, I kind of want to talk to my senior guys, both men and women, who might be CEOs or senior VPs. You know, you're at the top of the hierarchy in the pyramid. Here's the problem that you all face. You are not going to get a whole lot of negative feedback because it gets lonely at the top, and that includes an absence of negative feedback. Now, the theory is that you're going to get all the negative feedback you need from shareholders. Well, in a public company, that's true, and maybe in some private companies that have maybe private equity, but the more closely held businesses that are family-oriented, generational, or founding entrepreneur, once you're at the top, you're not getting a whole lot of negative feedback. And if you aren't sending a good signal to people that you're inviting negative feedback, that you're open to negative feedback, there's just data that you're not getting and you're operating in a suboptimal way because there's a lot of stuff that you could be doing better and nobody's telling you. They're not telling you because you've sent them a signal the last time you gave them a reaction. It's kind of like yours. You got defensive. And everybody does. I mean, why? Because, you know, you're hurting me. And the defensive reaction is natural. What's important is that you know you're going to have it and to know what to do with it quickly enough. And it sounds like you might have had a 24-hour period. You had an opportunity to have the same email read by one of your partners. He's got a level of objectivity. He feeds it back to you. And all of a sudden, your temperature comes down and you get it. Okay, got it. Now I got good data. So from the standpoint of senior leaders out there, I just want to check you and remind you, you are going to have to work extra hard to get the kind of feedback which is helpful to you, like super constructive. You know, I sit on a board of a company, we operate like a public company, and one of the objectives or requirements of board members, besides all their fiduciary stuff, is they need to be coaching up their CEO. And you would get feedback from the board that may be around your style, your approach, and what have you. But it's really, really hard on a regular basis in the company for you to imagine getting upstream feedback that's negative to you. Because people are just intimidated. They don't think it's their place to get the main kahuna or my boss. But every single boss, no matter where you are in the corporate hierarchy, I encourage you to think in your heart and in your soul Am I receiving negative feedback? Am I getting the kind that hurts, that helps me grow and helps me improve? Because if I'm not, I'm missing some growth. I'm going to talk a little bit about how to deliver it, but this is just kind of setting the platform for that right now. Should companies, should senior executives, should 
teams like this have somebody on staff whose job is specifically to be that fall guy, that person who's sort of authorized, who knows it's well within their scope and their position to criticize the boss? No. No. If you have direct reports who report to you, those are the people who should be able to give you feedback. I mean, I coach CEOs all the time on this. And what's interesting, and this is where the emotional intelligence piece comes in, is is they get the idea and they get the concept, they get the importance. It's pretty common sense. You know, nobody's arguing with you. But when it comes to actually doing it, the number of people I coach who really struggle because their emotional intelligence level hasn't risen sufficiently. I mean, they're still working on it. It's a work in progress. It's hard to raise your emotional intelligence, but they are still getting defensive. And so, you know, I have several clients in this category. That's just how they're wired. They're pretty intense. They're pretty strong-willed. They're pretty dominant. And, oh, by the way, they don't take criticism well. And then when they feel it and they sense it, their first reaction is they get defensive. Then the troops know that, and so they dance. They just dance around the issue. They're they're not going to tell them. So there's like this gap between what the person really gets perceived as and that person's understanding of how they're perceived. There's just a gap. They think they're doing okay, and they're not. Can they survive like that? Sure. Is it optimal? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I think we've gone after this hard enough. I'm trying to make the case that constructive feedback, negative feedback, however you want to term it, you do need to give and receive the kind of feedback that usually hurts because that's where the growth is. That's where you really have a chance to get better. Now, I want to make one more distinction. I have two kinds of buckets on this negative feedback. When you were talking about the negative feedback, you were talking about negative feedback you got about your product, your work, the quality of your work. So that's one kind. Now, I'm here to do a job, this context that we have for sheer clarity. We're in a work world, right? We're in the world of work. We're in the world of leaders. We're trying to get productivity from people. We're trying to have great teams, relationships, and all the other good stuff. So in that category, you have a work product, and you got criticized about your product, your output. That's one thing. Where it really, really gets dicey is when you get to the other bucket. That is the feedback about your behavior, the feedback about how you roll, the feedback about how you are received and perceived as a person. Are you aggressive? Are you impatient? I just got nailed yesterday and the day before in my board meeting because it's pretty clear I'm impatient. Not my meeting, and I want to be effective. I want to be constructive. And sometimes the conversations go longer because there are people in the environment who learn at a different rate, who have a different set of interests, who different orientation to what they need to know. And sometimes it just takes too long for me. Well, you know, I start getting ants in my pants and I start looking that way. And before you know it, it's pretty clear. And so I took a shot from one of my guys. They got riled because I was sort of saying, how long are we going to be down this rabbit hole or whatever the hell I said? And he kind of pushed back. He said, dude, not everybody's where you are and some of us need to grind through this and you're just freaking impatient. Boom, right there, done. It took me 30 seconds because I've known this about me forever. And I go, you're right, sorry. 
I apologize. My favorite thing is, will you forgive me? People aren't expecting that question. <laughs> will you forgive me? Then we laugh because we have that relationship. It's a solid one. We trust each other. We care about each other. There's a lot of respect. But I needed it. I need a slap down. And I got one. Now, I value that. I deserved it. At the same time, when you sit back, they would tell you that one of the reasons they enjoy me on the board is one of the values I bring. Everybody realizes we can, as a board, get down rabbit holes and go on and on and on. And it's a fine line managing where a conversation is going to go in a meeting. Some things should be parked for later. Some things we should just say, wow, we just hit an energy pocket. Let's vet this. And there's other times when somebody needs to say, you know what? There's way too much anecdotal pontificating. You know, some people like to give you a five-minute speech before they give you their question. So there's a lot of different things that are always happening, whether it's in a boardroom or any meeting at any place. There's a bunch of great funny stuff out there on the web about death by meeting, right? All the bad things that happen in meetings. Oh, well, I digress. Let's get back to the net of this. I believe negative feedback is essential. Call it constructive if you wish, but you must know how to give it. You must know how to receive it. Let's talk about giving it real quick. I have a couple of checkpoints, and the first checkpoint is, why am I giving this feedback? Why am I giving this feedback? What is my motive? Because you got to check your motivation. You got to understand where you're coming from. Now, I saw this from a Gallup survey somewhere along the line. Some of the most incredible scenarios where feedback is essential in a work world. Here are some of the categories. People don't deliver their projects and work quality or work output on time. They didn't set good goals or meet the goals. They are disengaged. They're not taking initiative. There was a serious mistake made. Behaviorally, somebody's being impatient like me or rude to another coworker. Somebody's not getting along with others. There might be gossip. There's poor time management. Performance has declined. Those are sample categories of people who are going to need some feedback. So here's your first goal. In that case, your motivation, your primary motivation is, I would like you to succeed. I'm going to give you feedback. Why? Because I want you to succeed. That's step one. So if your motive is not really clear that you're there to try and give someone help to get them to succeed in their job, you should probably shut up and work on it longer so you can get there. It's never going to be helpful at that point. If your criticism is basically based on your own impatience, your own disappointment, and all you've done is kind of smack them because you're crabby and you didn't get what you wanted, and that's all you have, that's not useful. That's where the term constructive comes in, where it's so important. Pure negative feedback is toxic. But the constructive feedback element here is, look, I want you to get successful. So that's part one. Part two, always start with something that's decent and positive and is affirming. By the way, I want to talk to you about this project. The quality of that last element from the project was exceptional. I'm glad you got that done. I have one thing, though, that I have to talk about. Now, I'm concerned for this reason. 
it doesn't appear that the project's going to come in on time, and I need to know a little bit more about why that might happen. What I've hit here is the question phase. I've turned the criticism into an inquiry. I want to know. You tell me first, because I have a concern. I have a worry. I have a fear. I'm not attacking you yet. I'm just saying it looks like the deadline is going to come and go. What's going on? So now I've got a chance to have some information. Then if I get to the final phases, why am I missing the deadline? Now we have to investigate what could we have done. A, do they have a legitimate reason? Which means I need to adjust my expectation. Stuff happens, right? Stuff happens. And so I need to make judgments. This is why I teach judgment as a skill, like making good judgments. That's what you pay the big executives for. We're not telling anybody what to do when you're at the top of the pyramid. Top of the pyramid, you're supposed to be driving the whole enchilada. Everybody gets to do what you're driving them to do because your vision and your strategy, all of which is based on your judgment. So great judgment is part of what it means to be a great executive. You need to have a pretty good batting average for your critical high-risk decisions in order to be successful. So now I've told them a little bit about what went on. I found out what happened. Was it a legitimate reason? Now, if it's not legitimate, then I have a question. Did you overreach in setting that goal? Was it too ambitious? And the last one is, is maybe you weren't working hard enough. So all of that is me starting with essentially addressing the fact that your project is not coming in on time. You're going to get feedback about it. It's going to be critical. I have a criticism that's baked in here. The criticism is you're not meeting your promises for delivery. Now, I just am going to try and pull this off in a way that gives you the most constructive opportunity. A, I care about you succeeding. B, I'm not going to assume I know exactly what happened. C, I'm going to be reasonable when I get this. And then after I've done all of that, then I'm down to, is this a legitimate reason and can I understand it and can we move the deadline? Or is it something about them where I literally have to leave them with, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what your true challenge is. But in the end, I need you to be able to deliver your projects on time. And if this becomes a consistent issue, and we've both agreed that the timeframes are realistic and the number of reasons why it wouldn't happen are being controlled and limited, the rest then eventually becomes to you. You're not delivering. And that becomes a different challenge. How can I help you? That's it in a nutshell. To me, the logical conclusion is if you've done feedback really well, you've not been afraid to do the constructive and negative feedback, by the time you get to the point where somebody is receiving a steady stream, that leads you to the conversation is, okay, we've done this, we've done this, we've had this conversation, this is the third time or the fourth time, this is where we are today. If you were in my shoes, where would you be at this stage of the game? I've had people say, I'd probably fire me. (laughs) I go, yeah. So that's kind of where we are. How can we do this in a way that is decent? Perhaps you'd like to resign and that's okay. I don't know. That was like fast. One of the things that I'll leave you with is that I have a model for how to do these conversations when it gets really dicey and I'd like to tell everybody about it. And let's even do it on the next episode called Issues Clearing. 
Let me shut up and get your reaction and probably get this episode closed. There's a lot more on this episode that we could have talked about, and maybe we'll come back to it again. I think you did a really good deep dive into what the timeline, what the order is of providing constructive criticism, negative feedback, why you're doing it in the way that you're doing it. And yeah, at the end of the day, it all stems from having a good foundation. It's a lot easier to provide negative feedback to employees, to supervisors, to bosses, to even spouses and friends. If you have that good foundation of honesty, trust, you know, you have good character and it's clear that you're coming from a place of positive and good motivation, not just because you're looking for someone to attack. That's going to really make a big difference in how that kind of negative feedback is received. So if you're coming from a good place and you want to provide us with constructive criticism, negative feedback, whatever you want to call it, if you're doing it because you want us to succeed, because you want this to be better, or just because you want to share what you're feeling, we would encourage that. Send us a note, Kevin at SheerClarity.com or pop on over to SheerClarity.com. There'll be a form where you can easily contact us with questions, feedback, criticisms, suggestions, anything like that. We are quite open and receptive to that kind of feedback and communication from you. And with that, I will say thank you for joining us on this episode of Sheer Clarity. Make sure you do join us next week as we get into issues clearing and the communications that you would need in order to rewrite the ship if things are starting to come apart. In the meantime, head over to SheerClarity.com. You'll find show notes related to this episode, ways to subscribe for free to the podcast, and how to connect with Sheer Clarity on social media, and of course, other incredible resources to help you become the consummate leader by attraction. Again, it's all at SheerClarity.com. He is J. Kevin McHugh. I'm Matthew Passy, and we will see you next time on Sheer Clarity. Sheer Clarity.